Welcome to the Shark Pod, the podcast that explores business and lifestyle design in Ireland and beyond. And now, live from Greystone Studios, here are your hosts, Luke Curry and Mark Baker. What is up, Shark Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Shark Pod with me, your host, Luke Curry, out of Greystone Studios, a.k.a. the hottest box room uh, in North Wicklow. Uh, I've got my co-host out there in Glenagiri, Mark Baker. Marky B, how's it going? All good. I am also in an extremely uh, hot sauna of a bo- box room. Okay, we've got Cahal Noon on as a, uh, as a guest who is uh, another one of my brother-in-laws. Uh, how's, how, how hot is your room, Cahal? It's pretty hot. The windows are wide open and there's paddling pools been filled outside. So, um, yeah, we'll see. It'll get hotter once I have to close them. Well, we'll get you into that paddling pool as quickly as we can. <laughs> uh, and we'll, uh, So just to give a bit of an introduction to our guest today, Cahal uh, Noon is my wife's uh, brother. So we're all uh, brother-in-laws on the... Well, I guess Mark isn't... We're not really all brother-in-laws, but you guys are both my brother-in-laws and you're both accountants. In fact, every brother-in-law I have is an accountant. Go figure. Um, you think No be excuses, though. You're such a disappointment, Luke. Yeah, exactly. Just underachiever <laughs> here. Um, but the, the the reason why we asked Cal to come on is that uh, I heard his podcast or him being interviewed on our uh, our old friend Connell O'Moreine, uh, uh that great business show. Um, and I thought that you know if he's my brother in law, he should come on to my podcast and we'll discuss his business as well. Like you know, give the give the information to the the, the Shark Nation out there. Um, so Carl. Uh, your business is r and and yeah, how would you how would you explain that? How would you, in a nutshell, what's going on? I'm trying to help companies claim r and tax credits efficiently and um, cheaply. I suppose is is probably what I'm trying to do. Okay, and your your background for the people out there, uh, you're an accountant, like we said. But what what have you been doing for the last few years? How did you kind of get into this? So I'm, yeah, I'm an accountant, but I'm also an, an electronic engineer. So a nice dual discipline there, unusual. Um, and I've been working as a director in PwC's or in the tax credit team for five years now. So um, a lot of experience in this area. So five years of already tax credit claims. Say so my clients have claimed not far off a billion euro over that time. Wow. Um, so yeah, lots of experience in the area and uh, lots of advice to spread out because obviously in my time at PwC, I would have focused on multinationals. So I, I spread my wings to, I'm not going to rule out to multinationals, but the, the SME sector, um, everything from startup to, to multinational now, I'm trying to help claim more new tax credits in a systematic process, process driven kind of way. Okay, cool. And so just for an R&D, for, for those people who wouldn't know anything about tax credits or research and development, what, what does that entail in Ireland? Is it uh, Ireland specific? Like, uh, can anyone do the R&D tax credits? Can we kind of like research something that's not part of the business and claim it back? Or there, there's got to be rules there, right? There, there's rules. There is um, anyone who, any company can claim R&D tax credits. So uh, you can't just rock up and write an app in your in your front room and, and try to throw in a claim. So if you've an established company and you're um you're doing R and D in kind of any of the STEM areas, trying to develop a new product or process or advance a new technology in some way, then you're probably within scope to claim a credit. And like it's pretty generous. It's in, it's in lots of jurisdictions. Um to answer your, your other question, 
but the Irish regime is probably one of the most generous regimes. If you look at, if you look at kind of the, the multinationals and all the tech companies that are based in Ireland, all the pharmaceutical companies, other than the 12.5% corporation tax rate, the other driving force to get them in here has been the ORD tax credit. So it's a big part of our, our kind of global tax policy. Hey, cool. Because it's, it's very uh, topical right now with the Irish tax system and all that type of stuff with the OC, OC, OECD. OECD. Uh, yes. Yeah, they're all like saying, you know, it's got to be 15%, sign up to this for or else. And we're like, uh, you know, you're not elected or anything. <laughs> Who are you people, you know? Um, so it's always been kind of our secret weapon. And I think over the last kind of year and a half where all the multinationals have been very kind of agile, allowing people working from home. Uh, we've seen really kind of big growth across loads of the, the types of companies that are working in Ireland. So it's been a real, getting the, the international companies here has been a real, uh, you know, a real bonus for us uh, and me particularly um, uh, as well. I've, I've benefited from that. Um, I was listening to some of the stats about how, how much not only employment does it give directly, but also all the kind of ancillary services that are attached to those jobs from the international companies as well. Um, so it's, it's really cool. But so, so a company like HubSpot, like the one that I work for, uh, we develop some software here, but not all software. Um, could we just do, could we apply these tax credits just to, uh, just the stuff we built here? Or is it kind of like, can we farm it out somewhere else and claim it here? No, we can't. So okay. HubSpot... <clears throat> do software development. I've actually spoken to them before and um, they develop some pretty cool, interesting products. But what you're really looking at when you're kind of looking at Normandy tax credits, first and foremost is your payroll costs, your, your staffing costs, where, where that's based. So you can't really claim the costs incurred in payroll in other jurisdictions. Okay. Not for a larger claimant anyway. There is, there is scenarios you can for smaller claimants. But um, generally speaking, it's the Irish-based payroll staff that are the driving force of the credit. So the first thing I say to a company when they're looking to claim is how many developers, how many R&D staff have you bought based in Ireland? What's their kind of salary range? Because you can quickly get a very close approximation of what their likely claim values are going to look like. Um, if their answer is we don't have anyone working on R&D in Ireland, I say you don't have a claim almost straight away. Okay. Um, so that, that's the that's driving force. It's The whole purpose of the regime is to encourage employment within those high-tech sectors in the state. And that's that's what it does. It's so interesting as well, because it, it's like we do, we seem to develop things in Ireland with HubSpot. And sometimes I was wondering like, why would you pay these types of, you know, there has to be some sort of uh, reason behind it. Um, but Mark Baker, when you're talking about stuff that you're doing in your company, do you ever come up with reasons to say, or how to save tax and stuff like that? Is that something that you guys, you guys do with your, when you're making decisions? I know it's, um, it's not STEM and stuff no. like that, but. No, not not really. I was thinking for the SMEs, Carl, like what would be some examples of R&D? Usually when you think R&D, you think the big multinationals. What would be some examples just to let us know? Well, like if, if you look at if you look at anyone, I was an example. So if you're in STEM, if you're developing a product and you're using core technology, so software development is an obvious one. If you're doing software development in a SME, you should be looking at, do you qualify for an R&D tax credit? Obviously, the pharmaceutical sector, your med device sector is a big hub in Galway. Lots of lots of med device startups, like anything, like you, like you name it, it's um, it's there. Like so, your agri food sectors, there's really interesting agricultural uh, research projects going on. People developing new milking machines. There's um, 
it, it's technology, someone developing a new service product technology offering, be it physical or virtual, um, they should be at least considering an R&D tax credit. Mm. And you tend to know. So if, if, you're, if your staff are highly qualified people like engineers, they're uh, chemists, they're, you know, specialized PhDs or, or, or masters, um, they have master qualifications in those type of areas. They're probably doing R&D. You're not hiring someone with that level of educational qualification to uh, answer phones. <laughs> so, so you're more, more than likely going to have some level of R&D in there and you should have some level of claim. Um, Are you ever surprised people, that of the lack of claims or the lack of knowledge that people, you know, are they letting millions go down the drain? Millions, because like it's, it's a 25% saving on costs. And that those costs include capital expenditure. So like if you are trying to develop a new physical product, the, the cost and even just buying your capital to start doing some experimental like proof of concept development work, like that costs a fortune. You can claim a portion of all those costs in on top of your payroll, on top of your salary. Like so if I look at the software development sector and I look at the people who are generally employed in there, like the average salary is high. You're, you're talking at least 70, 80K a year. Um, Typically, when you get to an ordinary tax credit and you layer on the other costs, your cloud computing costs, the cost of actually having a laptop, having it sitting in an office, all the other costs kind of associated with that, it's easily 100K per person of cost that can be drawn to a claim. So 25% of that's 25K a year per person. It's big. The numbers hit big numbers quite quickly. So once you're kind of, if you have a team of five people doing core R&D work, your claim is going to be a minimum of 125K a year then that's likely to completely wipe out your corporation tax and most likely uh, result in a big refund from the revenue in terms of, in terms of uh, monetization over a three-year period. So it's nice. It, yeah, Jesus, yeah, that's huge. Like, is what you do usually, are you preempting that? Are you doing that at the start? Or is it retrospectively, you're getting people money back? What kind of proportion? It's both. Um, so I'm encouraging people the way things are going and, and the, the policing of the regime from the Irish revenue is kind of changing over time. So if I went back to five years ago, I would have said it's retrospective. <laughs> so after a company's financial year end to come to us and say, we think we have an already tax credit claim, you go out to that company, you talk to our technical staff, you, you build out technical reports and you do a financial calculation and it's all done like that. And that's, we'll say, yeah, a little bit of finger in the air of like, well, yeah, no, okay, maybe they were kind of, probably spend about 85% of the time on that activity and that's probably qualifying and that's not really acceptable anymore. So that post, post year end assessment is okay as long as you're doing stuff as, as it goes through the financial year. So what I'm getting companies to do and then look, I've developed a software solution for this is to get their employees on, on the system, capture their percentage of time on qualifying activities and describe those activities as they're doing them against the legislative definition so it kind of trains them outlines what's required outlines what type of information you need to capture when they need to capture it and then at the end of the financial year you're kind of clicking a button and you pretty much finished your claim so it's um that's where i'm moving them to but some companies again have, have their own internal systems and processes that are there that are okay um they do the job sufficiently that we just leverage them and we still do post year end assessments but what I'll say is most companies come to me and they say, I want a claim for 2020 at this stage. We'll get a claim together. It's probably not going to be as robust as I'd like it, but we get them a proper system and process set up for 2021 and going forward, they're in a really good place. 
And Mark, it's so interesting as well because it's one of those businesses where I think it was probably late last year where we were talking about this for the first time, um, uh, Cahill, and you explained the business to me. You, you showed me kind of the, the software that you were, you were uh, working on. And I know nothing about tax credits. I know nothing about uh, research and development. But you, I think you spoke to me for about three minutes, showed me the rough outline of the software. I'm like, yeah, perfect. That works. <laughs> it's one of those yeah, I was going to say, who, who who is on the other side managing that software for the company? Is that an accountant? Is it an admin person? Is it the, the owner? As in, who, who is um, making sure the comp- that the employees are actually doing the stuff? It's a combination. So it's um, a lot of it's automatic notifications. So they'll get notifications when they need to do things. They'll get email notifications. But there's a usually a person responsible, usually the technical lead or the, the say, CTO of the company will get notifications and maybe mainly notifications when someone's not complying with the requirements. So if something's outstanding, if something's beyond a certain date, they'll get a notification to to step on it. And if, if it starts getting worse, I see that stuff as well. Um, I'll contact them directly. So okay. it's this combination of, of orangetaxpedistan.ie helping them out and a bit of internal management. But the numbers are so big that usually people get on board pretty quick. That's kind of the other thing about this type of business that I think is really, really interesting is that it's one of those ones where it's like, it should be a no-brainer for people. It should be an offer offer they can't refuse. It's like we had Norman Crowley on here, Mark. Remember his uh, his style of, of sales that he was talking about, where uh, when he goes in to talk to CEOs, the offer is so good for them um, that if if they uh, or he makes it so good that they would be afraid their directors would hear about it if they didn't take it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was, that's type of... Uh, uh, Where they get the bill for not for not doing it. Yeah, exactly. So mm. in this case, you're going in, you're saying, okay, it's going to cost X amount, but you're going to save, or you're going to get, like, there's a, an equation there that's quite easily uh, made up. And it's not the case for a lot of software, <laughs> like uh, most software, it's it's not the case. Like say if you're, uh, if you're buying Salesforce or something like Salesforce, it's very difficult to... Uh, to, to kind of figure out the ROI. Yeah, like how can you, I mean, it makes you more efficient. People, mm. you know, you're capturing stuff. You get that, you know, good data, all that type of stuff that you can make decisions. About. It's very difficult to build like an IRR uh, decision-making kind of, you know, uh, thing on that other than uh, we need something and this is the the shiniest software we can find, you know? Um, so when you talk to, to companies, typically, uh, like even in your, your previous position, was there areas where, like you guys came in and really changed the way that they were working and they seen a huge uh, benefit there? Like, has there been ones that are, were just missing the boat completely that uh, you guys were helping them with? There's, there's a mix of like most, yeah, most companies, it is easy to say on the world, like you'd rock into a company the same way, just already tax credits, you'd explain it to them, explain what you do and kind of say, we're going to take most, most 5% of the, of the benefit you're getting back. It's not, it's not a hard sale. <laughs> it's like it's like okay, that, that makes that makes sense for us. So I'll get ninety five percent, you get five percent, and you do all the work. It's like pretty much, and that's not really true because the engineers have to uh, to buy into it as well. Very <clears throat> difficult. So like you know, if you think about what I'm saying, you need to have in place to claim an ordinary tax credit. Like, and you rock into a company that doesn't have timesheets, doesn't really keep track of what they do on a day to day basis. I'm just kind of floats along, does their thing, moves on, doesn't think about the past. Um, it's not easy to tell them, by the way, you need to capture timesheets every month now and you need to structure the way you're capturing your data around your R&D and you need to put information to the system every month. Like, 
the, the person on the ground, obviously the senior people in the organization are completely on board. There's no, there is no question. They're like, yeah, absolutely sign me up, put it, um, put it through. Great. Look forward to working with you. Talk to the engineering teams and they're like, I have to do what? It's like, oh, I don't see that before. Like, oh, yeah. mm. blah, blah, blah. So it, it, the difficulty is that who I sell it to, and it's actually kind of a funny, kind of funny way I do business. I sell it to finance. So finance, buy it. And then uh, engineering have to do all the work. Like, so so the, the underground developers like hates me. The finance guy loves me. Um, <laughs> they don't hate me. They, they, they come to... They come to respect me eventually, but uh, initially they're like, "Ah, oh, this lad, what?" First of all, I think they're coming in to get some kind of audit. That's why when I was in PwC, that was always the initial reactions. Like, the auditor wants to talk to me. Why? I was like, okay. "I'm not an auditor. Mm. I'm here to make you guys money." They're like, "You look um, like an auditor. You're what's uh, you?" Like, so I was an auditor, like I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so but it's, it's rare. It's it's actually rare that a an a qualified accountant is going to come in and give you money as opposed to give you a bill do you know make well, you money? I, give, I give you a bill as well like. <laughs> but yeah, so the no, net the, you're, the you're net making a net yeah. yeah 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 and even in companies like i find the half claimed already tax credits and i have good systems and processes in place but maybe you know they have an advisor that isn't a completely knowledgeable in the area it's a very niche area of tax like there's not many advisors in the area at all how did you how did you actually fall into that area um, it's kind of like a funny story so i trained in audit and pwc and i was working as a financial systems accountant for elephant um credit card transaction processing company and uh i just got a phone call one day from a guy i kind of knew through a, a mutual friend like so he, I've, i'd been out for a couple of beers with him a couple of times steven merriman's his name he's a r&d tax credit partner in pwc now and he said look we're trying to get this uh trying to get a group established and um, he's trying to, he was trying to make partners time he was a director and uh, he said, one of the senior guys on my team, now the whole team was taxed at this point, there was no technical people at all on it, um, is handed his notice, I really, really need someone with your kind of dual expertise to join the team. And uh, it took a bit of a great to get me back because I'm sure you know yourself, Mark, you worked in audit in one of the big four. Um, you yeah, didn't particularly enjoy the first stint. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know if I really want to go back. But I uh, had a conversation thought it was interesting and look it is obviously really interesting um because i get to kind of look at emerging technologies and new and new concepts kind of like what you guys do on your uh, your podcast here have those interesting conversations mm-hmm. but not have to get into the weeds too much yeah and then see how the financial elements of that kind of balance out and you get a really good overview for a company that's how i got into it it's just literally a phone call from a a, a good friend he's actually brother-in-law of a good friend of mine and then it just worked really well. Like it, that, that combination of skills just worked ideally because I could talk to the engineering side. I could understand what they were doing. I had a good grasp of the technologies that they were using. I had a good grasp of, you know, what was already, what wasn't already, but also I could talk to the finance team and, and help them quantify it. And um, so if you look at the team, I started, there was like four of us. I was the only non-pure tax person, um, but still kind of hybrid, I suppose. It was 17 when I left in uh, January. Um, and it's almost all technical staff now, PhDs in like chemist, chemistry and engineering and like just different qualifications. There's almost no tax people in the group anymore. Because uh-huh. the whole photo, like, as, I, as I kind of say on some of my introductory videos on the website, like if you get good quality data from the engineering teams, the financial calculations aren't that complex. Obviously, there's, there's like it, it's three sections of legislation 
so that's it. Like it's, you're talking about 15 pages total of legislation around earning tax credits, but it's worth like about 700 million a year. So that's about, I think it's about 2% of the total tax take. Wow. Of the state. So it's big, big area, um, really big benefits, but, um, you know, quite, quite simple on the financial elements as long as you, you build a proper process there to capture technical information. Because it's, sorry. So I was just going to say, when you when you went in there, were you thinking, what were you thinking career-wise five, ten years down the line? Did you, were you looking for a path to entrepreneurship or did, did that just happen as well? No, that's, that just happened. Um, I, I Five or six years down the line, so I was kind of like, okay, I'm in a position now. I was kind of getting a little bit bored. Financial systems, again, it was nice and sweet, but what I was doing, it was kind of hybrid between helping automate financial models and financial calculations and, and automating year-end clothes and stuff and that was all kind of interesting but you get to a point you're like it's kind of done now <laughs> a lot of it was kind of maintenance at that point and i was like ah oh, this is getting a bit boring um, and the opportunity to move back in and, and move back in at a quite a senior level in the big four is always a always a good career move like, like I'm, not, yeah. I'm not gonna lie it was like look moving in at a I moved in at a senior manager level in pwc was like that's always going to look good and see me leaving training week four is good I left good practical experience back in at a senior level there was always an opportunity to progress there if it was good and I was kind of thinking look I don't even know if I like it. <laughs> I might like it I might hate it I don't know I knew Stephen I got off very well with Stephen um, so I was happy to, to take a point on it and I, I found it look I found it really interesting was the idea of entrepreneurship always there it's always been there in my head I like as my wife actually said to me when I told her I was leaving she was a she was like, well, it's always going to happen at some stage, wasn't it? You're always going to start your own business at some point in your life. And I was like, yeah, that's probably, probably correct. I was always, always on the agenda at some point. But that's very hard that. to do if, if you actually progress in a big four firm, you know, to leave. Become, yeah. To become an entrepreneur. Yeah, it is. As you get on director level, then you're looking at partner, you know, which is, which is entrepreneurial in itself, but yeah, yeah, but like what was what was kind of happening? Look, I suppose I have a vision for where the accountancy and tax world is going to be in a few years' time. And uh, my vision is probably divergent, not divergent, to what people are trying to achieve. So I was actually part of their technology um, transformation team. So obviously, I played many different roles in there because I was, I was different, as, as I said. So I was technology, tech, understood technology, understood all these companies, these um, these different elements, kind of understood about data, data processing, how to capture information, how to output information. And I was um, pushing strongly for a long time on kind of process automation, just process automation. Because like, what I'm doing, what already and what the process was, was a manual process. So like by my calculation, about 80% of the time, consulting time we were spending on, on engagements was automatable. It was it was completely irrelevant to a large extent. And I was like, look, here's a technology offering. I actually I built out a demo model using PwC's existing technology stack and said, this is what we should be doing. And I just hit a mountain of risk management and red tape and approval like this uses this technology you need to get approved 
have to have like you know, 10 meetings with the risk management team of why prover can't go wrong. Then I have to apply to the states for a technology use approval. There's a two-year waiting list and some of this stuff. And I was like, this is like, this is now. Someone's going to do this or build this model soon. And sure, what's the business doing then? Like, what, what am I actually, like if I'm saying 80% of my process can be automated, that's 20%, 80% of the business. That should disappear pretty fast. Like you, you, sh- like you shouldn't be paying big four consultancy fees <laughs> for a manual process. Like where all it is, is I'm standing up in front of a room with myself, probably a manager and a like consultant or some, some junior in there. It's costing them probably 1200 euro an hour for me to give them training for two or three hours. Then I hand them out, spread them off Word documents to fill out, get them back. We all read and we all cross them. <laughs> it was costing an insane amount of money um, just for that type of data acquisition step. So by the time we had the data sufficient to actually get a claim together, you'd already incurred probably, well, it depends on the size of your company, but minimum, if, if we've, I never even spoke to a client if they didn't have at least five grand to spend on only tax credit. Um, fees so like okay. wouldn't have even entertained the conversation but most of the clients were kind of on the order of 50 60k so you're talking they're, they're basically trying to wait 40k of time which is data processing and then obviously there's a 20 percent element of consulting where you actually have to think about the information you got look how to improve it add value and that's that's the piece that's more interesting i'm like trying to manage a process of sending out word documents to 100 engineers and so making sure they come back and then sending out, like we were sending out um, like timesheets built out in Excel every month or quarter to companies and, and pulling it back together and rebuilding it and reporting it back into their finance teams. Like, life's too, life's too short for that kind of stuff. <laughs> kind of stuff. <laughs> it seems like this was when a bit of a... a this is probably this is like real like kind of Jerry Maguire moment when you're like you wrote a memo saying eighty percent of this is bullshit and they're like uh, <laughs> it's gonna be a two year wait until we figure this out now. Uh, no, that's that's cool though. Like any, I think that's that's how uh, great businesses are built. Is when you see a, a a huge inefficiency and say, okay, this is what we can do, and it's gonna cut it cut out say eighty percent or you know, it's like that that guy. Uh, you know, maybe not 80%. I mean, that guy who found that boat full of uh, gold, remember, in uh, off the coast of Boston, where he found, he actually found uh, 150, Just, 150 that, million. That was a Matthew McConaughey movie, wasn't it? No, well, that was that was a great movie by Matthew McConaughey, I think based on this guy. Uh, but, you know, he, he said he found, because he knew he would have to give it back to the government. Like, so uh, he said he's found 100 million, and he actually found 150 million. Ah. Then he went to jail <laughs> for it, which I don't think that's, the, you know, all right. It wasn't quite fit. I hope to not go to jail yeah. at any point. Yeah. <laughs> so what I do the app called the app. How how do you start to build an app essentially from scratch? Well, as I said, so I, I was trying to sell this idea in PwC for a while, and um, I as I was responsible for their technology transformation. So I actually had like a team of what they call them accelerators working for me um, in there. And they were using different technology. I was trying to try and encourage them to take an extra four. So everything in there is based off basically Google at the moment. So it's Google Workspace, Google um, Google technologies. So I said, look, I look at Google technologies to see what exists to build, you know, an app like a, a web app slash mobile app. So uh, 
had a browse around, came across, actually, I came across something else other than what I built on initially. Um, and I started just, I actually bought my own version of Google Workspace at home because obviously it was massively restricted in there. I couldn't really do anything with it. And I bought my own version and started to play around with um, with some kind of like low-code software development tools or web app development tools. And uh, funnily enough, actually, um, a company called AppSheets was acquired, I'd say about two months after I started playing with this. And Google shut down their own internal tool at that point and said, look, we're moving to AppSheets. We've acquired them. That's the way forward. That's the future of our platform. And uh, they said, look, as, a, as, a, as an apology for basically end dating the existing platform, because it was, there was a massive uproar in the community saying, you can't just end this. I've been using it for years. Like, we're totally reliant on it. They gave out loads and loads of free licenses. So I got like 500 free licenses for uh, AppSheets, which is amazing. Um, so loads of free licenses. I said, cool, I'll start building this on this platform. And the platform is, is, a, is an amazing low-code web development platform. So I started building that, and I could basically do everything that I needed to do. But the beauty of it is it's behind Google Security Layer. Um, nice. And I don't have to manage things like passwords or other security information because you're logging in using existing accounts, like your, your Google accounts, your Office 365 account, whatever, whatever you have, Salesforce accounts, you can actually log directly into the application. So I don't have to manage any of the security layers. I was just building out the, uh, the process automation. So that's, that's what it is. It took it took a while. I'm not going to lie, Mark, because like there's a lot. There was a lot in it, but did you not just outsource it to somebody on Fiverr? No, is that not what you're supposed to do? No, well, it could have done. Um, but again, I was trying to I was trying to show this is a technology stack that we should be using within the organization that I was I was currently working in and saying, look, it can be done by the people with the expertise. So like, I can't outsource it because for the length of time it'll take for me to instill the knowledge that I have into another person. I'd actually be faster building it myself. And that's probably the point on lots of these future tax technologies and accounting technologies. The experts in the area are really going to have to be closely hands-on to the technology because things change quite quickly. That's your, your piece. Like the Irish revenue on this stuff will change their interpretation regularly. I need to change my software platform as soon as that interpretation changes. And I don't want to have eternal reliance on an external party to um to have to do this so you're in a very unique sense. unique position though that like most startups have the kind of entrepreneur the ceo whoever it is and then they have the tech person you actually have them combined in one which is quite rare which you're leveraging off which exactly you know it's an unfair advantage that you have over everyone else and that's exactly what you should be doing i put in the work mark i put in the work unfair advantage i did i did two <laughs> professional qualifications <laughs> Yeah, yeah naturally you like that. You're right, yeah. Mark. It fell in his lap. Let's get let's get real. Uh, it's mad like you're so you so the engineering. What was the the engineering background that you have? What, what electronics? Electronics. So you did that. When did you do that? Just what year? Like like two thousand ish. Well, I qualified. I graduated two thousand and one. Not two thousand and well, I was twenty one. Two thousand and four. And that still stood to you for your whole throughout your whole career, essentially. That well, like it's it's not like. I don't know what you studied in college, Mark Commerce or something. I was like just going to compare <laughs> my my history in Greek and Roman yes. arts degree is really you know, it, was well. it was it was forty hours a week for four years. Like it wasn't. Yeah. It was intense and like it covered, you know, everything. Like like and it was purely electronic. So it was software. A lot of software development. We did a lot of coding. We did a lot of uh, hardware development. Like it's it was an intense load of physics, applied maths, mathematics. Like. 
but it's something I always liked and something I always enjoyed. Like ever since I got my first NES as a kid, I was always kind of obsessed with technology. So um, I never lost it. I always kept on top of it and always kept up kind of like little hobby projects, building stuff like just building hardware, building software, just out of interest, learning new coding languages, like as a hobby, like writing something that I wanted to do. And like, mm. even then when I kind of, obviously it's always very good at tech computers and Excel and the technology. So like I used to build out macros and stuff in like all the time, just, just, I just taught myself learning to build this, like for doing things and always a much mistrust. Like I remember building out stuff in a, when I worked in audit to like compare different files and stuff. And everyone was like, just do a property call. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, man, this is property, look. Um, you know, so I always, always kept them up. But yeah, it always suits me. Like, and, and Such a great was, skill to have though. Isn't yeah, it like, what I was doing in terms of the, the uh, orange tax credit stuff, like I was talking to engineers every day. I was understanding technologies mm-hmm. and technology platforms out there. Like it, was, it really keeps you up to speed with what's emerging. And, and what I should be looking at or what I should now. So like you're always kept in the loop by default doing that type of stuff. I think that's it's an interesting thing to keep uh, keep on top of as well. And it's it gives you like so I was talking to somebody, uh one of my friends who's do, had a really good run betting on certain stocks and stuff like that. And he's like, Because I, I know the industry so well, I kinda know the companies are gonna do well in that space. Do you know, like if I see if they've got something novel, I'd be like, Well, no one's gonna really gonna be able to do anything for three years there. So do that kind of way, like, so it does give you a little yeah. bit of an edge. But Mark, because me and Mark are always talking on the podcast about university and college and stuff like that. And, you know, we're, you know, we've got me and Mark have different, uh, different stances. He thinks college is still, I guess, the, the way to go. I, I like, I don't know with my child, I don't know if college, by the time he comes around, everyone's going to be able to just put the, uh, the chips in the back of the head and um, that type of thing. Um, Neuralink. So, but you, what do you think? Do you think it's? What do you think about university? Worth going if you're doing big, STEM? Big question. <laughs> it, it's worth going if you're going to do something that's going to contribute to the rest of your life. Like, I, I wouldn't go in and do an what? arts and philosophy. <laughs> 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 but, like, if you do something that's like, as in, it's, it's what yeah. you want, it's career building. Like, you're not going to be able to condense that much knowledge. Like, so for, like, look what I did. You're talking four years, 40 hours a week of like condensed learning in a specific area. Like it would take you many, many, many years to do that as you're working in the benefit. Like it's, there's no, there's no replication for it. Like it's, um, but having said that now, if I actually, if I actually look at how I learn now, I learn on YouTube and I learn, I learn on apps. Like, like I don't, you know, if I'm interested in a specific thing, it's kind of far more learning on demand. And I think that's the way things might go. It might move from, look, I'm not going to go to college for four years and study this, but I'm going to sign up to some type of academic platform. And when I need to know something for a specific reason or I want to know something, I'll tune in and I'll actually do a proper, like short course on that specific mm-hmm. area. So things like I want to learn how to code X, I want to learn more about cloud computing here. I want to know about database storage. Like I kind of, I, I check it out, look at the research, look what other people have said online, watch some YouTube videos, watch some training information do a Udemy, a Udemy, Udemy course yeah. and then like you kind of you're in a good place like because yeah. again like college it's very specific and I would think actually electronic engineering what I did it's it's instilling a way of thinking into you a, a logical sequential way of thinking and that's the way computer systems work that's the way computers work and that's the way electronics work like it's it's purely logic driven and thinking about things into minute steps and step by step exactly how it works 
like that, that, it's hard to instill that in someone if they're just working day to day nine to five. Yeah. Or probably and not. For not everybody is is self motivated as well. You forget that we're talking about college, <clears throat> but we're th- and we're thinking as you know we're all in their thirties, aren't we? Yeah, we're all thinking as <laughs> people in their thirties, not what 17, 18, 19. Yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. So when you're when you're that seventeen year old and you're you're deep into uh, Julius Caesar or whatever you're you're getting into, you know. You're not thinking about the the future process uh, design and stuff like that that you might have to do one day. Yeah, well, I'm. Uh, I would just say, like, to to say university is X or Y is probably a a simplistic way of looking at it. Like, there's there's business, there's the arts, politics, you know, and then there's the sciences, you know, yeah. and then architecture, engineering, and all that kind of stuff. So they're all very very different. So I definitely think some of them will go. For sure, yeah. uh, they'll fall away. They probably are already, for all we know. And then some of them will actually get to be more stuff. Um, but that that if you're if 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 Carl, you're kind of thinking of process improvement and and all the time and streamlining and stuff, it's probably not a very effective way. The current university, the way you go to university, certainly isn't. Maybe yours is completely different to us, but we were doing what well, I don't know, fifteen hours a week. It's not an efficient use of learning time yeah. currently. So it's going to change one hundred percent. What it'll Go completely. Who knows? We yes. won't, we won't be around there. <laughs> well, I'd hope oh. be around in eighteen years, Mark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Live fast, Luke. Yeah, I know. Okay. You're pushing fifty. That's it. Should be yeah. But still, um, but yeah, cool. Okay, so let's talk about the business, the future, the the brightness of future. Uh, kind of the the moonshot here. Like, can this be something that is it like? Are the economics here this similar to normal SaaS businesses, or will there always have to be an element of kind of like a like a customer success manager? making sure people are using the, like using this platform to the, the maximum or can people kind of, can you just sell licenses into infinity? Um, so there's both, there's both yeah. options. Um, I can absolutely sell licenses to infinity. Like, so the, the idea of the platform is to try to automate or test guys and make it as simple as possible. And really, if you do it, just follow what the app says and you push your button at the end of the financial year, It'll um it'll get you all the way to your all your technical documentation produced, and it'll get you a, a claim or a template that's just to fill in a couple of financial numbers that'll get you all the way to CT one return. So you could use your existing accountant as long as like it's, it's kind of it's a confidence thing. Like it's like would you submit any area of a tax return without anyone looking at it? Some people would, some people wouldn't. And um, the consulting element is definitely relevant for most companies. I think most companies should avail of some level of technical review, but that the quantum of technical review should reduce dramatically. Um, but I'm, I'm in conversations with a couple of multinationals around just building these processes. As I said to you guys, like a lot of the multinationals are using processes that are entirely Word and Excel driven on like a monthly or a quarterly basis to hundreds and hundreds of people that have been organized and managed by the big four <laughs> with, with no real proper training or guidance because the, the volume involved and uh, some of them are like this brilliant i want any chance you can roll this out to every tax jurisdiction in the world um, and i'm like yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely i can um, i probably need to move away from the Low code, low code, a web app uh, solution for that, and do full stack development on it, which is fine. So, I'll probably be looking for some level of investment over the next while. I'm hoping those multinationals just pony up and pay for it, like and take take an equity share in the company. That way, you have guaranteed large customers 
um, they have good jurisdictional knowledge of each of the different tax jurisdictions. And they're similar, like the, the running tax credit legislation globally is, is very similar. It's all based off the same concepts and, and information and even like what you need in terms of your time recording and your technical data recording and the type of information you need to retain. It's all pretty standard. In fact, the Irish regime is probably the most onerous. So most jurisdictions will be a scale back of what I've already built for Ireland. Um, and yeah, roll it out. Like, so if I look at the States, for example, like there's just like 30,000 companies claiming ordinary tax credits in the States and the software is not a, a one for one solution. So each company might need five licenses. Mm. Um, so the numbers get quite, quite big, quite quickly. And again, sort of multinationals in, in multiple jurisdictions could be huge uh, claims. And they have the in-house knowledge to <clears throat> manage your only task credit claim after it gets to a certain point. But getting to that point from an administrative point of view is an absolute nightmare. And the software solves that problem for them. So it's a combination of the two. For, for your SMEs or your, your smaller firms, and actually, even if I look at I'm partnering with loads of accounting firms at the moment, because most accountancy firms, if you say you want to claim only tax credit, they'll kind of look at you a bit blankly and say, it's a bit risky now. I've heard bad things about that. Don't really, don't think you should go ahead with this. And that's just due to, like, how are they, how are they going to not? They're not electronic engineers, electronic accounts. They don't have experience in the area. Mm. And it is risky. Like, if you get it wrong, mm. just talk about the numbers involved. Like, revenue come after you and start asking you serious questions on it. Um, and it's not okay. Like, you can be in a serious, seriously difficult position with only a lot of money to revenue very quickly. Um, so it is high risk. And revenue look at it quite closely because of the, the numbers involved them as they should. So most of those smaller accounting firms even I'm kind of partnering with now. So they're saying, we'll just outsource it to you. I'm I'm creating a commission. I'm looking at getting them getting their clients up on the software and then doing that element of consulting at the end, feeding it back into the accounting firms and, and paying them a commission on, on the annual claims. Like so it's great for them in terms of an outsource service that their clients need that doesn't really exist at the moment. Like, there's not a lot of offerings outside that bigger firms and most SMEs are outside the, the scope in terms of paying those level of fees to those to those companies or are even afraid to go talk to them. So I kind of offer that intermediate service now. So it, it, it's the loads of opportunity to expand. Um, the, the global solution is definitely one. I'm, I'm in conversation, actually a call tomorrow with uh, the finance, a finance director of one of the biggest um one of the biggest tech multinationals in the world about, about how can this be broadened out to multiple different uh, jurisdictions and how we can automate it or how we can work together. They said that they were thinking about doing something similar for about three years and they actually hired a guy to do it, a guy I've worked with before. Um, and his, that was his main role. We started, but they just, other things happen. You get called into other areas and I just haven't gotten to it. So I'm far along the journey that they want to start on. So we're, Kind of a conversation about what what it would look like to work on a collaboratively on this stuff. So yeah, we'll see. I don't know where where it'll take me, but uh, hopefully it takes me to multi millions, yeah, massive mansion somewhere in Spain or something. That'd be great because I'll be get to be to be mooching off you guys down there, my me, me and uh, no better man. I'll be yeah. I'll be like I'll be like listen, this this is I'll be, your your nephew misses you, Carl. We're bringing you down. Uh, it'd be great. Um, so obviously that would be the the, the best uh, case scenario there. And uh, Carl, sorry, Luke. Can I just ask, yeah. Carl, like how many staff do you need for for the maybe the near future? Even like, is it is it staff intensive kind of thing? Surely you. You can't automate everything and you can't do everything. No, so it's um, how many staff we're going to need. It depends. So mm. this, the software does a lot. 
at the moment. Um, so I'm, I'm in, in no immediate requirements for um, additional stuff. Like by my by approximation, I can comfortably manage 750k a year revenues without anyone. Um, after that, but I'm going to start taking on grad, grads, grads from STEM backgrounds, or well, from backgrounds that are kind of in that hybrid space. So, so there's people, there's courses, there's transition courses into accounting, like your postgraduate diplomas in accounting, that have people who might have relevant qualifications to me. So, trying to recruit people in with that dual knowledge, like the way the future of finance is highly tech, technology qualified. Um, chartered accounts like that is I've seen the demand for that already yeah sure yeah it's huge like that's that's Mm. what's gonna happen that's that's the Mm. world we're gonna live in Mm. Um, we'd like to get a nice a nice group of those people together and build it out as a firm get get those people kind of qualified I'll train them myself Um, you know where I am (laughs) you know where I am that's it yeah (laughs) Um, good stuff I am yeah so I don't so immediate term if I go and build a global platform, a global solution for this, I'm going to need a software development team. And I'm not outsourcing, as you said, Mark, for the same reasons I outlined before, because it wouldn't be, things will change. It's still tax. It's still not, um, it's dynamic. It's a dynamic world that needs to change and, and alter quickly. And I need to have someone working with me closely that I can pass knowledge through and make adjustments with quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I want to have control of that. And if I, if I partner with, with some of those multinationals I'm talking about, um, hopefully I can maybe leverage some of their technical knowledge as well. So, mm. how many are you talking? I can't see me taking on more than 10 people in the next two years anyway. Mm. Um, but I would see, I would see, I would see uh, maybe three or four over the next year or so. Okay, very good. And Mark, and, and you, sorry, Luke, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say you you've been doing videos and stuff online. I've been watching on LinkedIn and stuff. Like you as as the thought leader, is that like a conscious process that you're doing, like to to get your brand your your brand and and the company's brand out there as the expert? In yes, this? absolutely. Because like it's again, you will see people um, like claim already tax credits. There's loads of like UK companies at the moment trying to tell people to claim already tax credits in Ireland. I'm like completely different <laughs> the, the level of scrutiny in H- hmrc mm. uh, requirements are very different to the Irish requirements to like it's night and day and if you put in a claim the way you put in a claim in the uk in the irish regime you're going to get into serious trouble so it's just trying to outline to people and make sure they're kind of aware look i know there's a few people knocking on the door saying we're doing our tax credit claim in ireland and we'll do x for x percentage but who are they who are they? What what are they, what's their background? How much experience do they have in this stuff? Are they, you know, a proper Irish entity? Have they experience in Irish claims? And like, do they really know what's gonna to take to get it, get it over the line? Um so yeah, it's it's conscious, it's a conscious thing. And look, it's kind of hard to get your brand out there at the moment in a pandemic. Like it's not like you can go and rub shoulders with everyone at a at a conference or whatever. Um mm. it's uh, there's not a lot of ways to uh, to get, get your name out there on it's LinkedIn, isn't it? LinkedIn, yeah. LinkedIn's the only way, really. Like, I'm working with the Institute of Chartered Accountant a fair bit. Like, I'm, I'm helping help with the pre-budget submission there. I'm going to feature on there. My tax journey page in the next couple of weeks, I'm writing a couple of articles for them as well around ordinary tax credits. So Good. that helps. Um, podcasts like these help um, 
just getting connected with things like like groups like Scale Ireland and just trying to connect with like startup hubs and, and SMEs. I'm trying to link in with Enterprise Ireland. Obviously, Enterprise Ireland are um, you know not allowed refer people specifically or promote any one business but just trying to make sure that the mentors and the people in there mm. know of our existence and yeah. know where to send people because from the people i'm talking to even the people who are like you know actively involved in the sectors you're like oh never people ask me about this the whole time i never know where to send them it's like at least i have a name now or i have a have a contact and you know trust my level of experience to a certain extent so yeah it's it is tall leadership and also it's like some people just like it's such a huge risk area <laughs> like, it's even just sharing that knowledge like so a lot of that knowledge you know around how to claim more tax credits is in a small circle of people that's uh unless you go and talk to those people and pay them huge amounts of money you're going to be in real trouble so we're trying to make it more accessible for the world like to a certain extent there's no there's no point if someone's going to claim an tax credit they're going to claim an ordinary tax credit at least if they watch my video and it kind of goes oh yeah, actually, that's I shouldn't do what I did last year. I should change it. That's good. Like I just, I just helped the world to a certain extent. It's no skin off my nose sharing that knowledge there. One minute, one minute videos. Yeah, you, you have to give. It. You're giving real value though. Not a lot yeah. of there's a lot of bullshit out there that tippy toe around something or it's just filler just to just to be on camera and just to talk. You're actually giving away real value, and that's what you have to do. And then if they want the full value, obviously come to you and and yeah. you know. Well, that's it. There's, there's like mm. four hours of training within the app of like literally yeah. you're doing X now. This is why you're doing it. This is how to think about it. This is like, so it's it, that's like those one minute videos are very, very brief snippets of yeah. of like the core information. There is a like, as I said, there's not a lot to learn if you, if you kind of know them and know how to structure it all. And most of, most of what I'm trying to do is about, it's funny, like everything at the end of the day in tax or any accounting, it's about good data in makes the whole process that at the end so easy. I'm trying to get the good data in. Um, and that's what my whole solution is based on. It's not really based on the complex tax advice. It's based, get good data in, and the tax advice is simple. Um, and I don't care if I share a bit of knowledge about that, what that tax advice is, because that's not where, that's not where the, uh, the money should be coming from, really. It's a it's a great way to, it's like bringing the, bringing the, the fire to the people, you know, you're kind of, democratizing uh that that uh the kind of the knowledge part and then just uh, building the processes around it which is great um like i said in a couple of years if you're hiring 10 people that makes a big impact on those people's lives you know that's what we always talk about on the on the podcast here we speak to people who have hired hundreds and hundreds of people and we just think you know in that local community what that what does that do for those families and everything like that so wish you all the best of luck on that also i've got a personal stake in your success as well because i want to go visit you in marbella uh, you know, once once everything kicks off, uh, so we wish all your best luck in, in the future. We'll put all of the stuff in the show notes about uh, the the website and where to contact you guys, um, and we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for coming on the Shark Pod. Oh wait, one more question: uh, Would you prefer a t shirt or a mug? Oh, I need a t shirt. Perfect. Uh, so we actually yes. don't do these these ones anymore, Mark Baker. We've got the yeah that one. That's cool. I saw you wearing one of them the other day, Luke. Okay. <laughs> self-promoting just just walking around uh okay cool perfect so we'll get that out to you as soon as possible i might even drop it to you uh you know you know by hand next time i see you um so thanks very much and we'll chat soon thanks Thanks, guys pleasure